<laughs> just in a new place I've moved, yeah. Love it, love it. All right. Cool. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the DNA Airwaves podcast. I am very excited to have an incredible human being with me today. Um, been on the show a couple times, but it's always exciting to have you back on to get some updates and to kind of just hear your story again. It's incredible human, as I said, and um, just as incredible stories. So, um, David Ditchfield, welcome back. Thank you. It's great to be back. It's good. To, always good to chat with you guys. So yeah, yeah. thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a real pleasure. So I guess just uh, I know we've had, our listenership has grown and expanded over the last couple of years. So there may be some of you who are not familiar with David and his story and his work. So um, maybe we could start off by just giving. Maybe we could break it into a couple of parts. So maybe you could talk about your life quickly. Um, we'll say the incident that you had. Um, that you went through, maybe pre that incident, what the incident was, and kind of just talk from there, if that makes sense. Sure, absolutely, yeah. Um, okay, well, basically what happened to me was um, I, I had um, uh, what's called a near-death experience, and, and this followed on from a freak accident that, 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 that almost killed me. Um, I was seeing a friend off at a rail station in Cambridge in the UK and I was helping her onto the car with her bags and stuff and when I stepped back the automatic doors closed on me and they trapped my coat and I couldn't pull it free um, so uh, yeah so there I was kind of literally looking deaf in, in the face because I got time to think this through because I heard the engines revving up yeah, yeah. on the train you know and, and I saw the look of fear in my friend's eyes and I just thought oh wow this is it you know and the train just pulled out the station at great speed. It went really fast. I lost my footing. I was dragged along the platform and then pulled down underneath the wheels. And, uh, yeah, so I'm just thrown around <laughs> in a really violent fashion. And you mentioned, you said that you saw, you could see the look of fear or terror on your friend's face. So she's inside. Yeah. I guess you're just seeing her. That's right, yeah, she's inside, yeah, looking through the, the, the glass doors. I never doors. really asked you yeah, this. The glass so, door. like, as far as proximity like was she right like was she sitting standing was she right like right beside she was stood yeah because the doors are disclosed so she was just stood in the area where you get on and off the train you know so she was was inside of the glass yeah so she was looking right at me and uh yeah i I mean i really felt for her you know um you know when i got into hospital i was i really wanted to talk to her because i knew what she'd been through you know that it must have been horrific for her because she would have felt totally helpless you know and uh she actually told me afterwards that she she ran through the train um to look through the window and to see because there was like a curve on the platform so she ran to see if she could see me and she said she actually saw me go under and so she thought there's no way i survived this you know and I know it's it's a miracle that I did survive it. You know, something far greater than me and all of us was was at play that time and and and, and saved me. I mean, I totally believe that that's what happened. Yeah, you know, because uh, because there was there was a big inquiry by the 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 UK Royal Police, when they took a year to go through the whole inquiry, and when they finished. They actually said to me, you know what, we're all banging our heads together here saying all our, all our figures and maths and estimations, you should have not have survived that. You should be dead, you know, you should clearly be dead. And we don't get it, you know. So there you go. It's just, um, wow. it's worth, you know, stopping and, and, and realising that, that, 
you know, that we, there, there are greater things at play for us all, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a big lesson right there. I mean, the hustle and bustle of life and everything that we go through day to day trying to accomplish goals and whatever it is, right? Um, then you have a crazy yeah. moment like es- that that slows Especially down. now. Yeah. Oh my gosh, especially Exactly, now. sorry. Yeah. No, no, I just, it's just, I mean, I've, I've spoke to you about this before, but just every time I hear it, it kind of just, I see different things and it kind of makes me have different thoughts of, the perspective yeah. I hadn't really thought it was Anna right that was a friend that you were, you know? that's right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Anna, yeah. I just I hadn't really thought about like seeing this whole incident from her perspective before which is kind of like jeez that's okay so you're you got dragged by the train and then you were saying that like just by all estimations the um, I guess the authorities and those who were doing the investigation thought that you couldn't have made it like what they were saying was you shouldn't be here having this conversation with me. That's right, yeah, exactly. I shouldn't be here <laughs> chatting away to you now. But um, and I realised that when I when I when they got me into hospital, you know, and I, I got there eventually, and there was all these medics who were waiting for me. I remember, you know, and they were all working on me frantically, trying to save me because I was losing a lot of blood by this stage. And, and that's when I I had the near death experience. You know, I, I I left my body. I left all the pain and the agony that I was in and I was suddenly in like another realm and this in this very beautiful darkened place you know uh, not a foreboding darkness a very welcoming darkness you know yeah. and uh, and I, I just uh, what I went through then was lots of beautiful awakenings really you know um because before that, my life was in such a mess, you know, and I, it, it, I, things were going so terribly wrong in my life. So it was just Talk about that I suddenly found that one. Sorry to interrupt you. I was what, sorry? Talk about that a little bit, just like your life prior to. Yeah, sure, my life this. before, yeah. yeah. Well, well, well I, was, I was struggling to find my way through because I'd, I'd left school with very few qualifications. And so I, was, I, I decided to move to London because I thought if I moved to London, you know, that would give me some opportunity to, you know, I thought there'd be plenty of opportunities big, there, big which city. there are, yeah. but, but, but I still wasn't getting through any doors, you know. And so I, I was picking up day-to-day manual labouring work, whatever I could. I was even washing up in kitchens, in restaurants, you know. I was like just trying to get work on construction sites but I was no good at that kind of work you know so I was I was running out of money I started to drink uh, heavily because well yeah in all fairness you know I was going to the local bar every night to to, to hustle for work because that's where all the construction managers worked you know they go there at the end of the day and they, they go and drink you know and then you go and say hey you know any any work going at all tomorrow you know and they say yeah you know come down see me at eight o'clock you know and i'll see what i can do for you and it was a bit like that so i ended up drinking away most of the money i was earning you know and and i got to the stage where i'd lost so much work and i then I, i i'd lost so much money that i was about to be evicted from where i was living i was about to lose my home you know, that's how low it had sunk, you know, so, yeah. Yeah. So it was pretty, tough, pretty dire. Tough yeah. place to be, wow, okay. Yeah, see, yeah. so basically, what a, what a cycle. So you kind of, you had a plan, like you were going to these bars and pubs because you knew you'd be in close proximity to the people that you needed to talk to to get work. But as that's a result right, of yeah. that, now yeah. you end up drinking with them to get closer with them yeah. and spending your money <laughs> yeah. on that. Oh, man. Yeah, it was a very heavy, heavy drinking culture as well. You know, it's a, it was a very macho sort of place where it's kind of like, come on, 
get your beer, Daniel. Let's have another. You know, kind of get. You know, we have. We have. You know, I don't know if you have it where you are, but in this, in the, in the UK, we have this system of rounds. You know, where you buy a round of drinks for everybody. Okay, you know, and, uh, which 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 ends up costing a lot of money. You know, because there's a few of you there. It's kind of like wow, that's just like almost a day's wages just gone there. You know, and so that means that to get your money back, you end up staying waiting for five rounds of drinks or whatever it is until your round that you know. <laughs> <laughs> until you, you break even and then you end up going home feeling completely wrecked and not being cycle. fit to work the next day yeah <laughs> I mean I laugh about it but you know it, it wasn't a good place to be at all you know and yeah. uh, and I struggled wow. I did struggle with alcohol in the end yeah. wow yeah I mean I could hear I'm kind of making light of it now looking back but um, yeah I could hear the struggle so this is where you're at basically you're at this lower place yeah. um yeah. And then all of a sudden, it seems like it gets worse. I mean, from the outside, but from what you've said so far, now you go through this traumatic experience um, when you're already down. I mean, I don't, I don't think that I don't think anything in life is going to prepare you for what you went through, regardless of where you are. But um, what happens next? Well, basically, I mean, I, I, after I had my near-death experience, I was in hospital recovering, and because of this experience, I felt like I was. I, I was filled with a lot of uh, beautiful energy, and and of of um, it was a spiritual awakening, basically. You know, it was just like suddenly I felt like a completely different person. Suddenly, I I had no urge to drink alcohol. You know, you know, my my family were concerned about what was happening to me, and they were worried that I'd be getting withdrawal symptoms and stuff. But I was okay, you know, and. Um, I, even though I was struggling from what the, you know, to process what had happened with this horrific accident, and struggling with the, you know physically to recover, that the this spiritual awakening just gave me so much strength that I didn't care. I just remained kind of present and in the moment while I was like in hospital recovering, wow. and so so that was pretty, uh, you know, and I, and I just couldn't wait to get out and uh, and try and tell as many people about what had happened to me as possible because a near-death experience really is like it's 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 like a a, a view it, it, well not a view you're actually if you you're entering the next stage after after you die basically yeah this is what everybody who has a near-death experience will tell you you know and so I just thought I've got to share it with people because I've got to share the fact that that death is not the end that you know that that, that the soul lives on and the soul moves on to a beautiful realm a beautiful uh, place and and not only that I was I came back with I learned to love myself for the first time I I learned to feel a sense self-worth you know and uh, I suddenly thought I'm I want to I want to do a painting of, of, of what I'd seen in this afterlife. And I thought, I want to write music about what I'd seen in the afterlife and what I felt, because it wasn't just what I'd seen. It was a, a very, there was lots of beautiful feelings that I, wow. I, I wanted to express. So that's where I'm at now. So, so I, sp- I spend my life now. I'm, I'm an artist and a composer. So, I, you know, the, the two kind of run, you know, side by side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But just to clarify, because you didn't have these gifts and talents prior did you well I just I, I no, I I'd always sort of had an interest I when I was a kid you know I was I was always in, interested in drawing and stuff like that and I thought I'd, I could do something with this but I was discouraged by my teachers at school you know and we used to have these kind of like 
a careers advisor uh, coming to the school and and uh, in the UK it's 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 a thing that they do and they say right you know what do you want to do when you leave school and, you know and it's kind of like there's some guy that sat behind a desk and I and I say well you know I want to be you know I'd be an artist maybe go to art school something like that I said you can't go to art school you've got no academic qualifications you're never going to get them you know forget it you're going you, you know yeah, so, yeah. so that was it so, so that that was just that door was completely slammed too so. So yeah, so but basically, but as I say, I came back with this feeling of self worth, and I and and it gave me confidence to start doing all these things. But the, yeah, but I've got no formal training whatsoever in 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 art, but also any formal training in writing music for orchestra, which is what I do now. You know, I still can't read or write a, a single note of music, by the way, but I still manage to put m- music together for an orchestra and, and hear all those sounds and create them. Yeah, so it's, it's quite, it's, it's, it's pretty mad, I guess. We definitely have to talk about that. I just wanted to ask one thing. I don't think we've uh, gone here before. And just for myself, like I have a strong faith in God um, and spirituality, but... Right. Is this something, because you mentioned the spiritual realm a few times, uh, is that, mm. were you, did you grow up this way? Like, did you have spiritual or Christian beliefs growing up? Or no, I, I I kind of rejected all that, to be honest with you, because um, when I when I was really young, you know, my parents were Christian, and we'd all go to church as a family, and I really didn't get it at the time, you know, I just didn't feel comfortable in that setup, in that church setup, and and um, my parents were very liberal, and I said to them, "Look, I'm not really enjoying this," and they said, "That's okay, you, you stay at home." So I used to just kind of stay at home and not go to church, and uh, and so I, I I never I was never really I wouldn't say I was atheist, but I was just kind of very not in, uh, up for the church idea, and so mm-hmm. so I guess I kind of never let that into my life which is unfortunate because I could have done with it at the time when I was struggling you know I could have done with some faith in God I could have done with some spiritual awakening then you know it did it came but but and I guess that's why it came that's how I see it I guess I was I was it's almost like you know I was given another chance to sort of um, turn things around because I clearly wanted to in all fairness you know when I was told at school that I wasn't going to achieve anything because I was a no-hoper, basically. Yeah. I thought, well, that's not true. You know, I really want... I, I want to do something with my life, you know. Right. So, yeah. So and that was, like, what you believed that. at the time. Like, some part of you was like, no, this can't be... I've, we've had this experience... I mean, over here we call them guidance counsellors, and I'm sure they do a yeah. lot of good, but there's stories that I've heard and experienced where they don't, because you're sowing... You're supposed to be sowing into lives and young minds and sometimes that little one conversation of no this isn't for you can really change the course of someone's life um with your especially when it comes to the arts i find that's a big thing arts uh music um and hopefully it's changed more now but i know that when i was growing up you could really get discouraged from going down that path and they would try and sort of put you into the into a box that seems like a more stable uh predictable life for you and I've heard so many stories yeah. talking to musicians of those conversations where it's like, no, you don't want to do that. That's not for you. Uh, do this yeah. instead. And um, it, it's painful. It hurts. But I'm glad it, it took a lot. <laughs> it took a lot to yeah. kind of steer you back on course. And I guess we all have our own journey. And yours is, I don't know, yeah, it's, course, it's yeah. like an extreme version of it. Like it's, uh, <laughs> you were saying you're It's an extreme version of it. But it's a, like a high place. <laughs> it's a, 
Yes, yes, indeed. I know, I know. It's a, it's an extreme version, but I, but it's all relative, you know. Yeah. That there's, I know that there's lots of other people who go through. Well, pretty much all of us, you know. We Something. all go through it in life. You know. In yeah. fact, I was having a conversation with a friend last night, yeah. and we were actually talking on the subject. So we were, after saying how, you know, she said to me, oh, you know, what, what, what do you think, you know, your anxieties or issues or depression are, are caused by in your life yeah. over the years? And I said, well, the teachers at school, basically, and the, the irresponsibility of those adults, you know. And she said to me, do you know what? It's the same with me as well. You know, that, you know that those things have stayed with me. They, it's like your blueprint for life, basically, those early years. And, and uh, I think... I hope that it's better now. I hope it's improved. I hope that, that you know, because it's, it's just, uh, you know, it is sad. But I know what you're saying about art and music as well. And I think everyone discourages you from doing art and music because it is pretty hard to make a living out of it, isn't it? You know, you know what I mean? It's like I envy people who, when I was working in, on construction sites, yeah. I envied some of those guys because they were really skilled at their jobs. You get carpenters or plumbers and stuff. And they were making really good money, you know. Yeah, yeah. Plumbers, especially, it's like wow, you know, yeah. they, they they they'd make a you know a lot of money just to go and fit somebody's boiler, you know, in their, <laughs> yeah. for their bathroom or whatever, you know. Yeah. Thought, wow, that's incredible, man. You know, I, I wouldn't, I'd, I'd be happy with that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but with art and music, it's never that clear cut, is it? You know, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it seems to be like you know, a, there's a, a small majority of people who make an awful lot of money out of music, you yeah. know, and then then the rest of us, you know, we have to struggle by, you know. <laughs> it's true, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so we do have a lot of uh, musicians and creators listening here. So there's one right. thing I want to, uh, yeah, let's talk about, so let's talk about your art, so the, the, the paintings that you started doing and, mm. and, uh, and composing for orchestras. That seems like a massive... Um, I know a lot of musicians who are great uh, songwriters who are amazing who could probably not dream of sitting down and um, composing a score for an orchestra. So tell us about how that started and sort of has evolved since the, I guess, since the initial attempt at it. Yeah. Um, well, it started, I, I, I thought I was going to actually just write a song about, about this experience I had, this near-death experience. Okay. And, Nothing was coming. I just had this old synthesizer, and and I got no MIDI setup or anything like that. Yeah. It was just an old Spanish synthesizer, and a, and a cassette recorder, and so I was just trying to chord progressions, trying to get something together, singing melodies, but nothing was coming at all. And then one afternoon, this little chord progression came through, and I thought, wow, that sounds really nice. And um, and uh, oh, I've lost you. I think are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. I think it's just. Uh... Okay, just checking still there. Okay, I yeah. thought we we lost uh, uh, internet. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so I I got I was playing around on this synthesizer, and suddenly this chord progression came through, and I thought, wow, that sounds really nice. Yeah. And uh, I recorded it, and I made a coffee, came back and listened back, and I thought, you know what, this is not a song at all. This is something that needs to be performed by an orchestra. And I thought, why not? You know. Yeah. And I, I I became friends with with a cello player in the in in the local orchestra, the chamber orchestra of St Ives, and um, and I used to meet for coffee, and I I told her about what I was working on, and she said, oh maybe we could perform that piece, you know. So I thought, well yeah, why that would be fantastic. 
So my brother helped me out. My brother's, you know, he, he's a lot more attuned to all this. You know, he's a musician. And, and he said to me, look, I can, um, what you need here is I can give you an app that you can, uh, and an old laptop, and, and then I'll, I'll bring it up for you, and then you can try and use that. I said, because if you're going to write music for an orchestra, I know one thing for sure, and that is that orchestras will need musical score to be able to read. They, you can't just walk in and say, look, you know, play these notes, C, D, right. A, yeah, yeah. F sharp, or whatever, you know. <laughs> so, um, and also, he said to me, you know, I was writing this stuff, and all I was, all I was writing was for, for the strings, you know. He said, there's more instruments in an orchestra than that, you know. I said, yeah, you're right. Yeah, sure. So I started hearing all these different sounds while I was writing. I'd hear, like, a horn sound. And I'd, I'd just look it up. I'd, you know, I'd go into YouTube and I'd say, "All right, that's a French horn." You know, I learnt everything by 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 YouTube how how to do all this. You know, so basically, this setup I had it was it's a Logic, uh, which I still use now, and and uh, and, and uh, for for the actual writing. But the actual scoring is is on this. Uh, uh, there's there's either um, Sibelius or this right. other one called Finale Print Music, right. and I okay. use that. Yeah. So it's great. So I just write everything and I just put it into into logic with the simulated sounds, you know, and then to put it all together and then and then I just you know sort of um travel it across to finale and there's there's the music and, uh, and then I get it printed off and stuff. And, wow. And uh yeah. That's how that's how it that's how it works and so I mean it's just it's pretty scary. I mean the first time the first rehearsal I went to was pretty nerve-wracking, you know, because I found I was quite intimidated by the orchestra, you know, when I got there because they're, yeah. they're so serious about what they're doing. They don't really show any emotion or give anything away. And I thought, oh my God, you know, what, is this is this going to work? So, uh, but you know what? The first rehearsal, I'll never forget it that I went through. It was just uh, the went to, sorry, that that when they did the first run through, yeah. it just sounded amazing. You know, it's just a really beautiful experience to hear an orchestra performing. Something that you've written on, on a little old synthesizer. Yeah. yeah, wow, that must yeah, that must have been like, yeah, I guess almost like an out of body experience again for you. Just it's coming just straight from your head, and then you hear how many people were in that orchestra? That first one. It's a chamber orchestra, so I think it's about about thirty odd players. I think something yeah. like that, roughly. Yeah, and, but um, wow. it's a lovely sound. Yeah, and I can only imagine because I know, like you mentioned, the orchestra. Um, very different. Like if you were writing pop music, you get a lot more, um, I guess, just animation and uh, just feeling from the musicians, their faces and everything else. But when once you get once you go down the realms that you did, it's a it's a very different approach to music. So that I can I can I can understand just your, uh, your sort of being fearful of or nervous being in the room with these very serious musicians at that time. Um, yeah, yeah. Has that changed? Because yeah. I know you've continued to do this and done some very cool work. It, it, it has, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel a lot better about it now. I feel a lot more confident about it. You know, it's just I, I I've just written a new piece. Uh, don't know, don't know. Well, I'm still working on it actually, but um, I had a, a run through with the orchestra and um, just recently of of it, and and I felt better about it. You know, I I. I, I I guess it's because I've been doing quite a lot of interviews talking about uh, my my writing process and, mm -hmm. and everything, and, and I feel that because I've been talking about it more, I've been honest and upfront in every single one, saying that I still can't read or write music, and I think there's nothing wrong with that at all. Mm -hmm. So now when I'm at rehearsals, you know, it's like 
you know, I remember the, the, a few of the guys turned around and they said, uh, David, you know, you've written here, you know, the C sharp on bar 52. And he said, should, should that be, a, a, you know, a, a, a D major or whatever, you know, a D major seventh diminished or whatever yeah, I was going. Yeah. <laughs> I've no idea. I really no idea. I said, can you just play me the melody yep. through? And then they play it and I'd say, no, that's wrong. The, the third note needs to go da da da, you know, and yeah. then I just literally sing it. Wow. And you know what? That's that's music, isn't it? That's that's what it's all about. It's it's, it's just so yeah. uh, I just feel what the heck. I'm just gonna be me and just go in there and not try to be, try to hide yeah. myself and try to put my try and, you know, be. A, some kind of intellectual um, right, music because yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm going to try and fake it in that crowd. But that's that's a big lesson, man, just being true to who you are, trusting yeah. what's coming from your, your heart and your mind, really, right? And whatever um, that's it. influence you're drawing from when you're kind of creating these pieces. And I want to ask you a little bit more that, about that. So when you do, you get, do you get, like, inspired? Do you wake up or just have like just sounds in your head or do you sit down to write and then create or is it a mix of both um yeah it's very rare that i wake up with an idea or, or what have you it's uh, it, I, I literally yeah i will sit down mm. and with my midi setup you know yeah. and, and the keyboard and i'll just play around with ideas gotcha. and and if sometimes things come sometimes they don't but when they do come i feel like i'm I, I, I'm channeling ideas through, you know, because I've always felt from day one that I'm being helped, you know, and I think it's something that we can all do. It's just, you know, there's nothing special about me being channeling these ideas through. It's, I, I firmly believe that that we we all channel through if we want to, and when we when we allow that channel of energy to come through, that's when all the best stuff happens. And I've noticed this. Uh, with 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 performers as well. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why we're drawn to some of the, the best musicians around. All the best musicians you see, well, from my point of view, yeah. I think when I watch them, I can see that they are channeling. You know that you know. I, I always use Jimi Hendrix as a good one a because one. a lot of yeah. people are familiar with Jimi Hendrix yeah. and they're familiar with his style of playing. And when he plays his guitar, there's there's nothing technical about that whatsoever. You know, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like he's coming. It's, it's like wow, this man's coming from another world, you know. It's just <laughs> it's like true. this is like what's happening, you know. <laughs> yeah. But it it yeah. hits us all. Yeah. We all connect with it, you know. We all think, wow, this is fantastic, you know. Yeah. You can't avoid that. There's it's, I, I, very rarely are you going to come across people who are going to say, well, no, I don't get Jimi Hendrix at all. Yeah, I mean, I think most people will agree that it's he's he's something else. You yeah, know? yeah <laughs> he yeah. really is. So so. He's doing that. He's channeling, you know, and, and not just channeling. He's in the moment as well, and I think that's the other that's a big piece, yeah. thing. I try to uh, make sure that I am in the moment when I'm when I'm writing, and, and what I mean by that is I'm not allowing my thinking mind to take over. I'm not saying to myself, right, I've got to, I've got to sort of create something really special now, or whatever, yeah. or I've got to do this by the end of the, of the, of the day. I, I just kind of try and put all that out. out, out put it to one side and allow the ideas to come through um, uh, organically and, and, and they do. And when they do happen, yeah. it's such a beautiful thing and that I just think, wow, you know, I literally sit back and go, thank you, you know, thank you, God, thank you whoever's helping me now because, you know, it's not shit. me who's creating all of this, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's certainly coming 
from my higher self anyhow. Yeah, it's incredible. So, yeah. Is there, do you have a process to get to that state or is it something that you've just learned over time? Um, I guess I, I guess it's something that's that's uh, I've I've since my near death experience, you know, because the, the one thing I do take back from that experience was that I was in the present moment mm. when I was in that realm, and I and uh, and I think that's something that I just you know I try to allow myself to to return to that feeling and that space because that's when you're completely whole. That's when when. Yeah. <laughs> the real you is allowed to shine and, and, and come through, you know. Yeah. And um, so, yes, but, yeah, I think it's, it's, almost, it's almost like a, a form of meditation, really, you know. I mean, I think I, try, I meditate a lot as well, and I think that's a really good thing to do because meditation helps you to switch off from the busyness of the world, yes. you know. And, uh, and let's face it, at the moment, you know, the world is pretty busy, you know. It's, it's, it's a yes. very... It's a very dangerous place, yeah. and it's very easy to get sucked into so all things. the negative energies that are yeah. surrounding us. You know, and yeah. and, and uh, I'm not saying that we to avoid what's happening and stuff. I, I mean, I don't. I switch on the news, but I only watch a small amount, and then I think, no, I've got to, I've got to turn this off now and, it, right? and not be consumed by it because I'm not actually there on the front line, so I can't actually physically help. So yeah, go just sit down and try and reflect on it, and 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 somehow. I've noticed that some of the energies from what's happening in the world helps me to try and write by processing that. You know, I've noticed some stuff's coming through in my latest piece, which is kind of there's some sad moments, and you know, and I think sad music is really good. It's a really good thing for all of us to try to connect with, and you know, it's a, it's um you know. No, it's true. a very useful tool because music you know it yourself don't you just yeah. how, how useful music is oh yeah it's, uh, it's, it's so powerful you, you mentioned something there now and I want to ask you a little bit more about that I know I have to let you run shortly but you mentioned sad music and I'm just thinking mm. in your approach um, what are some of the differences like how do you define happy and sad as far as just like your approach to writing um, well, I mean, happiness, I mean, that's equally, it's, I love it if, if a moment comes that I'm writing and the, the, that it brings out a sense of happiness and joy, you know, because it's usually, you, you know, you're able to elevate, you know, um, a, a, a person's feelings, which is great, you know. In yeah. fact, I just had that, just now, before we started chatting, I I got the, the radio on in the background yeah. and there was this track came on I don't know whether you got it in the U, in the US or or Canada, and it's and it's called um, it's called Good Life by Inner City. Do you know that track at all? I might have to look it up. Maybe you didn't get it. Yeah, yeah it okay. might it might not have, it may not have come over your way, but but it's it's such a that is such a positive uplifting song. You can tell by the title, Good Life. Right, you know? yeah, yeah. And it's just so great. It's really groovy. It's got a great groove, okay. but it's just the whole thing is really uplifting. And I thought to myself, it's very rare that you get songs about feeling good and happy that actually work. It's very, I think it's one of the hardest things to do is to write a piece of music that set out to write something that's going to be good and happy. You know, it's easy to write something that's sad. You know, and just and get some minor chords. You know, that's if you're going to write sad, you need minor chords basically. Oh man, that's amazing. And. uh 
So, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, hearing some more. Uh, some of the, I mean, your new upcoming project is really exciting. I'm uh, super excited about the work that you're doing. Um, have you been Thank spending you. a lot yeah. of time painting Excuse as well? Me, um, yes, I have. Yeah, yeah, I've been working on lots of new stuff. I've, um, I've, 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 uh, I've got one of my paintings is actually in, uh, on loan at the moment. This is really exciting for me. Uh, you're talking about your faith in God earlier, and um, in the Museum of the Bible in Washington D.C., which I'm really pleased about because I always figured that you know that uh, a needs death experience might kind of jar with the with the faith uh, of of christianity but so yeah. it's great that they actually want to uh, talk about it and so there's a there's it's it's part of a of, of a, um, a whole exhibition that's been there for a whole year and it's called science and scripture and mm -hmm. so they wanted to delve in in near-death experiences and people wow. so they they'd seen my stuff online and they said we'd love to borrow one of your paintings i said yeah that's, that's great that's so that really <laughs> lifted my confidence as well you know yeah. that made me really want to paint more oh. and, and and so I, i've done i've been doing lots of new work which you know which i will be showing i wanted to get a whole load of it together first you know some of it based on my my experience but also some based on on christianity as well yeah. i was really and that happened because uh Around Easter time uh, this this last year, um, I suddenly felt the, uh, the 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 Christ energy, if you like, coming through very strongly, and and I just thought I felt inspired to do something. I thought I wanted, I actually wanted to do like a painting of, of the crucifixion, wow. and I wanted to paint the the women who were who were very prominent at that stage. You know, the three three Marys. You know, the three Marys. That's what I called the painting. You know, and so I'm really pleased with that. Yeah. So I felt it's it's interesting yeah, how I've been drawn to sort of uh, put those those ideas together. So yeah. 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 Wow. It is. Yeah. It's it's fascinating talking to you. It's learning more about your work. Wow. Is there anything else that you? I know you've shouted out your. Uh, your couple of, I mean, your new piece that you're working on, some of the paintings. Are yeah, yeah, actually, I, yeah, because um, I, um, I've I got contacted by the BBC uh, earlier this year, and they said they'd like to make a a documentary um, Ooh, for wow. the BBC World Service. Yeah, so so that's just come out. That came out um, about uh, three or four weeks ago. So that's on the BBC World Service, which you'll be able to access where you are. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so yeah, I think. Well, I'm pretty sure you can. Can you get the BBC World Service? I'm, I'll I think find you can. it. Yeah. 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 So well, it's it's if you can, it's on BBC Sounds. So I don't know if you can find that at all online. And if you listen to that, then BBC Sounds is great because okay. they have all these different podcasts on. You know, interviewing yeah. different musicians and stuff like that. So, so it's a thirty-minute documentary, and and it's just you know they they came up and interviewed me here. We went down to the rail station and, and did wow. some recording there and about you know how it, how I felt about going back there and how long it took me to get back oh, to gosh. getting on a train again and all that stuff. And so it's a fascinating uh, piece, and they feature some of my music as well because they wanted to talk about that. And they they so there's a. You know, there's, there's some of my music is kind of weaved in and out uh, of that interview. But if people are interested, yeah, please do uh, go to the BBC World Service on on the BBC website, and and uh, I hope you can find it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll definitely <laughs> check that out, man. Um, always a pleasure catching up with you. This is uh, this has been and you too. This has been a highlight uh, as usual. 
Um, yeah, thanks so much. We'll definitely include some links in the show notes for uh, some of the projects and things you mentioned. Yeah. That's, um, that's fantastic. Sorry, my headphones are being like going all over the place. I got some new ones. They're not fitting too well. Oh yeah, no, I, I hate that. But yeah, thanks so but much. But no, it's, it's lovely to chat with you again. You know, thank honestly, thank you so much for asking me back on. You know, yeah, it's, no, it's, it's always, it's always good to it. catch up and kind of hear how you have things have evolved. I mean, your your story is a story mm-hmm. of its realness authenticity but just incredible inspiration and i love how you um kind of mention kind of where you are lost i know in this society and with all the things that are going on in the world there's so many people that are lost in different ways and overwhelmed by life and can't see a way out and just you know as we mentioned just through our faith we know that there are so many so many ways to the other side and sometimes it's just having that little bit of faith or finding it or that little bit of self-love that you mentioned, right? Because you didn't really have yeah, that before. Yeah. And now it's, it's uh, you look great, man. It's, it's, it's like coming out of you. Um, and it's inspiring oh, a lot thanks. of people. So yeah, thank you for that. Uh, we'll definitely keep in touch. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thanks guys for That's listening. Sorry. I hope you've uh, got as much out of this chat as I have. And we'll uh, see you next week. Yeah. Take care, boy.